0: Well, thanks, Steve, for the Mother's Day opportunity. Uh, I will not be climbing any perilous homiletical peaks today. Uh, In fact, today is the day of ascension in the church's calendar. It's that day in which we uh, remember the, the story of Jesus, in a sense, leaving this earth after his resurrection and his time with his disciples. And then, you know, the story of him rising up in the clouds and going to heaven. It's really not one of my favorite stories in the sense that I think it is so misunderstood. Uh, and, but I want to look at a little bit of it today from a different angle. Uh, the text today is uh, a prayer of Jesus uh, at the moment before Jesus, as Jesus was anticipating his... Uh, his uh, death and resurrection and so it was a it's a prayer for his followers after he goes uh it's from the gospel of john it's a part of the last discourse of john a part of jesus great prayer and uh you you're going to hear some uh, wonderful heartfelt words think about the last words that you might have had with a loved one um in a sense th- this is Jesus' opportunity for his last words with his closest friends. So let us listen now for God's word. I pray, Father, that they know you, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I glorified you on earth by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. And now, Father, glorify me with your very own splendor, the splendor that I had in your presence before there ever was a world. I spelled out your character in detail to the men and women you gave me. They were yours in the first place, and then you gave them to me. Everything you gave me is first from you. For the message you gave me, I gave them, and they took it and were convinced that I came from you. And so I pray for them. Not praying for the whole world right now, but for those that you gave me. For they are yours. And everything that is mine is yours. And everything that is yours is mine. And my life is on display to them. And I'm no longer going to be visible in the world, but they will continue in the world to make me visible. And so... As we are of one heart and mind, let them be of one heart and mind. Now I'm returning to you and I'm saying these things so that my people can experience my joy and that my joy will be complete in them. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. I'm consecrating myself for their sakes so that they'll be truth consecrated in their own mission. And I'm praying not only for them, but also for all of those who will believe in me because of them. The goal is for all of them to become one of heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that they may be one as we are one. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, did send me. The same glory you gave me, I give them, so that they'll be unified and together as we are. I and them, you and me. Then they'll be mature in this unity, and give the world evidence that you sent me and loved them in the same way that you love me. Finally, Father, I want those you gave me to be with me where I am so that they can see my glory, the splendor you gave me, having loved me long before there ever was a world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As uh, Jan Nicholas said in her announcements, we're about ready to start our summer schedule. It's hard to believe that in two weeks we'll be going to one service uh, and after that we're, we're into all kinds of summer events. Those of us who are involved in youth ministry, you know that means a series of out of town trips and special opportunities for service and fun here locally. Um, and one of the trips that I always go on and I look forward to is our outdoor challenge trip. I'm sure a few of you have been on that trip, some of you, the youth here, as well as some, maybe some of the adults who uh, have been advisors and, and guides. Uh, the Outdoor Challenge Trip is a week for middle school kids up in the mountains, out in nature, a chance to expose them to the beauty and the ruggedness of God's creation, to make some new friends in that wonderful setting and also to stretch themselves, to try some things that maybe they've never done before. Maybe move out of their comfort zone uh, as an individual, but also with group support. It's a great uh, week, a lot of fun. And uh, the last three days of the trip, we spend on the water. We, take th- we have three different water challenges, you could say. One is we are in an, in an individual craft, we'll say it like a kayak going down the Hawassi River, uh, and uh, you're on your own paddling that thing, and you've got to get from, from the put-in place to where we get out, and you've got to figure that out. And then another trip is the two-man craft. I think it's called a ducky. And uh, the, so there's two of you in that, and it's the same deal. And then the third day, there's a, sort of a family experience. It's on the Nanahala River. It's a bigger raft, about six to eight people uh, going, going down the river kind of as a team. And I was thinking about these three different kinds of ways of traversing down the river, and uh, I love all three of them. They're all, in a way, different images for the Christian life. And so I want you to do a little work today and think about your life as a person who is trying to make meaning out of your life with God. And I want us to look particularly at one of these images, the one that I think suits John so well, the Gospel of John. And that is this two-person paddling craft, the ducky. Um, Think about just in this prayer, let alone throughout John's writings, all the different ways that Jesus is in tandem with God. I mean, Jesus is sent by God. He's here because God has sent him. He says only what God tells him to say. He does only what God wants him to do. His timing is from his father. Um, All that he understands in terms of grace and truth come from his father. He belongs to God. He feels completely connected and known by God and in turn makes God known, visible, glorified in the world. And God's joy is in him. Everything about the God as father and son is shared in the theology and in the language, the poetry of John. And it's like, it's like being in that two-man watercraft, the ducky. Wherever one person goes, the other is going to go, unless you fall out and Boy, you had better not fall out in that moving river. So you stay in the ducky and you go together. If, if, if one is going fast, the other one's going fast. If one is zigzagging, the other is zigzagging. If one hits a log, the other hits a log. They're together. That uh, Not only the, the destiny, but also the process is completely shared And so it becomes very important to see if you can get a good partner when you're on that middle school trip. I mean, it becomes very important to identify who you would wanna be with in that little ducky for the next few hours. So who's weak? Who's a weak paddler? Who's a strong paddler? Who's confident? Who's afraid? Who might be clumsy? Who's competitive? Who acts like they know what they're doing? Who's going to be a good partner for me? Who do I want to be in tandem with? Because my partner is going to determine a lot of what I experience for these next few hours. Of course, they're thinking the same thing about me. And so, in a way, this is Jesus' self-understanding. He is linked with His heavenly Father. His will is completely subsumed by the will of God. His purpose, his identity, even down to his schedule, seems to be given over to the the one who made all things. And so it's, it's as if he is... Revealing a new way of looking at God. God is not simply the collective possession of the Jewish people. God is is now seen in Jesus' understanding as a universal presence in the world. And so Jesus understands that true greatness comes through service, that God's will for holiness is not something that is exclusive but is inclusive and that even suffering and death can be a part of the way of life and maybe blessing. And so, as Jesus reveals that self-understanding of life in tandem with God, then he turns around and says, guess what? That's what You are to have as well. That's your life in a nutshell too. Our way is the way of Christ. Our way is in a ducky in tandem with Jesus. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Not following a bunch of rules, but trusting in this presence of the one who made us sharing the life of God in a new kind of community. Jesus makes God visible, and now in community, we are called to make God visible and Christ visible as well. That's Jesus' self-understanding and his understanding of what it means to be a follower. Now, I was thinking about this for today, knowing there would be a number of college students here today because we're celebrating our secret pal ministry today, our year-long ministry to uh, college students both near and far. A lot of them are here today, it's great to see them. And I know that, uh, and as we're all aware that, that when, as teenagers grow and as, as they kind of move out of the house, sometimes they also move out of church they, they're starting to test things out, look for new ways of thinking, new truths, as Steve talked about last week, living in a post-truth culture. And so maybe a lot of questions, a lot of alternatives to what they grew up with here in terms of a, a weekly routine at Riverside. And so I was thinking how this path of Jesus could be important to them. And really not just them, but for people of every age. I was recently with a few young adults, and I was listening to them talk about their lives, and there was one young woman, about 30, named Beth, and she's very gifted, very bright, so good in her people skills and leadership. And, you know, she... She's been really working hard to rise up in her corporation. It's a big corporation and she's really successful, but she's now at the point where she's been married a few years and she wants to start a family. And so she's bumping up against some limits. How do I keep running this race in the corporation and still start a family? And then on top of that, She was met with the news that biologically, it didn't look like she was gonna be able to carry a baby. She wasn't gonna be able to have a child. And this devastated Beth. She felt like a complete failure and that her life would never be fulfilled. She was raised in a church, but it had been so long since she had been to a church. She wasn't in any kind of faith community. does she begin to make sense out of what is happening in her life and where does she go for wisdom as she makes decisions forward she's about 30 I know a 40 year old guy who lives in Manhattan and he's so successful I mean he is so smart popular, wealthy and you know he confided in me that all his life he's felt like he's never been good enough because he never really connected with his mother. In fact, he was in therapy and the therapist took him back to an in utero sense of being rejected by his mother. Now, I don't understand all that, but he felt it was real. I mean, that's the existential reality that he's living with. That he was never, ever good enough. And so no matter how successful as a 40-year-old he is, he still feels this hole. Raised in a church, he hasn't been going to church in New York City. He's been so disconnected. He doesn't know where to start. I think it's true of people of all ages. Sometimes the swift currents of modern society can get us so confused, and there's so many alternatives, and we're running so fast. And sometimes we need to be reminded of kind of a simple, a simple path. We start asking questions about our purpose, our limits. We're in that liminal space that the disciples were in when Jesus was about to leave them, where they're asking all kinds of questions about the future. And Jesus says, look at my life with the Father and with you. This is the lens through which you can interpret your life. This is the paradigm that you can follow as you go forward. I came that you might have life in all of its abundance. As God has loved me, so I love you. As I have forgiven, so are you to forgive. As I belong to God, so you belong to me. As God's joy is in me, so I now want your joy to be in me. And as I have made God visible, I want you to make me visible. As I have been sent, you have been sent. As I have been called to serve and maybe suffer, even to die, to fall into the ground as a seed, and then be raised up. That too is a part of the paradigm. And those, those words that I've just spoken those come from knowing the story of Jesus. That's why we hand out Bibles to first graders and fourth graders and other ages. That's why we do so much of what we do in this church is because if we don't know the stories, just keep it simple, the stories of Jesus' life, if we don't know those stories, then how could his life be a paradigm? How could it be a lens for us if we're ignorant of it? And so how important it is for all of us at every age to read and reread, to listen, to hear, to be in community, to be exposed to the different meanings and nuances and facets of the diamond that is the story of Jesus' life. Jesus' relationship with his father was non-hierarchical, completely open, sharing a relationship of total commitment and love, of giving space for obedience. It, is, it was a holiness that wasn't based on rules, but on a clarity of purpose and identity, of being sent and then following And Jesus' path is our path. Some of us think he's so high up, we could never do anything like Jesus. Some of us think that, you know, that happened so long ago, how could that be relevant for today? But I tell you, his life, his relationship with his father is the interpretive lens for finding meaning and wisdom for living today. I'm not trying to be too simplistic. I'm not trying to say if God is your co-pilot, everything is gonna be okay. I'm Not trying to say that there's some simple formula here that'll take away all the ambiguity and pain. But John is sort of a black and white, either or sort of a writer. And he kind of forces us to choose. I like to keep things kind of ambu- ambiguous, uh, am- Ambiguous. sorry, <laughs> ambiguous. Um, I, I'm that kind of person that, if I have to make a choice, I want to wait as long as possible until I have to make the choice so I can get as all the information I can up to the very last minute, and then I'll decide. But John isn't like that. John wants us to choose light or darkness, truth or untruth, Jesus or any other way. Are you going to be in tandem? Are you going to be in a ducky with Jesus and and connect your life to him? Or are you going to find some other partner or go it alone? John is really clear, we're called to a narrow path, to be a contrasting society, this, this community called church. We may not face persecution, but we are called to make choices. So whether we're new members or fourth graders or college students or silver-headed people like me, Christ invites us to share his life and to walk his path, to love who he loves, to trust in the presence of God, even in the face of failure and death, believing in the power of reconciliation. That is part of what it means to be a movement for reconciliation, to be a community that is doing that work. I wanna close with a a poem written by a, a woman in the 16th century, Teresa of Avila. She writes, Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks, compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. Yours are the body. Christ has no body now but yours. In the book of Ruth, Ruth says to Naomi, Where you go, I'll go. And where you stay, I'll stay, and your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Amen.